Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and tonight I'm joined by our two rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Matthew Southcombe. I uh, just got back from the Principality Stadium to watch Wales win 14-13 against France, final game of the Six Nations. Um, and you're doing well to still be awake, boys. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> I, I don't know what it is, maybe I'm spending too much time with you lot, but I'm in a bit of a dumb, grumpy mood after that. I am uh, a very depressing man, Matthew. It, uh, <laughs> You know, it started poorly and got worse, didn't it? Um, I mean, it was a strange day all round, really. I, I got got there like everything was as normal. You get there, get into your seat about hour and a half before kickoff, hour and fifteen before kickoff, and fair play to the WIU. They um, they put the England Island game on um, to get the fans in. Obviously, they didn't want the same crowd trouble. People staying outside the ground late to watch that game and then trying to rush in and missing kickoff, but. It just meant that we had like commentary from the game going on, as opposed to your usual sort of songs and things like that. Um, and it was just a bit of a strange atmosphere. Uh, you had players doing the warm-up, looking up at the big screen, watching the game. I mean, talk about after the Lord Mayor's show, Ireland had already lifted the trophy and we're, we're playing in Cardiff. Um, so it was a strange atmosphere throughout. Um, didn't have a song really before kickoff, which is very odd for that stadium. That's what really generates the atmosphere. Um, I didn't even realise the teams had disappeared down the tunnel after their warm-ups because, to be honest, I was watching the rugby as well. And it was just all a bit strange. And you, you kick off and France try and do drops a goal within the first few minutes and you think, well, fair play, they're on it. And then Wales score that freak try and you think, oh, OK, maybe Wales are going to... Have a bit of a run around today as well, but I mean, it was a it was a, it was a throwback to the style of rugby that we saw that prompted all the calls from the media and the fans to change the way Wales played. It was just one one objective today, and that was to win. And it was ugly. Um, there wasn't a lot of creativity. There wasn't much to get people going. Um, but ultimately, as one of our former Wales online colleagues. Uh, Gareth Griffiths said to me after the match, "If you want to be entertained, watch Anton Deck." Um, I don't like Anton Deck, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, Gatlin wanted to win. You got to win. They finished second. Fair play. Uh, I guess you know does probably doesn't represent success in a lot of people's eyes these days, given the lofty standards of of the Welsh rugby public nowadays. Um, but you know, developing squad, they'll tell you they've exposed a lot of players to international rugby, and they have. Um, so I guess they see it as a as a movement in the right direction. That was awful, wasn't it? Let's be honest. It was. <laughs> you know, as I said in my intro to my match report, the only good thing was at least, unlike last year, it didn't last for 100 minutes. <laughs> that was really, really hard work to watch that game. Right, mm. get the positives out of the way first. Wales have finished second, yeah. right? Yeah. And last year we finished fifth. Yeah. They've won their three home games, um, and it's lucrative financially. I think 3.3 million reasons why that was important today yeah. and there were individual efforts there there were collective efforts you couldn't really fault the guts no, the no. determination the character the physical endeavor the bravery in defense they were all there some immense individual displays the captain of this week led by example i'm William jones he was huge captain of last week at a big game probably wills his main attacking threat with ball in hand fellatow yeah, probably was 
but overall, as I say, it was dour. It was pretty wretched. You, Matthew, you said to me at one point, it's all happening out there, and you were basically pointing to the part of the pitch in between the two twenty twos. You're right. It went ages after the Wales had scored a try. We must have gone the best part of an hour before we got into the French twenty-two again. Yeah. It was just um, what the thing that's I, I can't get away from here is that well, we've talked about it off air before we come on here. There is a sense of regression. Mm. You look at where we started the tournament against Scotland. It was such a breath of fresh air in terms of the expansive ball in hand, width, offloading game that Wales played. And it's like that never happened. We saw, we saw in fairness, we saw it in patches against Ireland and England as well. Some thrilling rugby in their counter-attacking rugby, ball-in-hand rugby. looked really dangerous. Stretched Ireland probably more than any other team did, the Grand Slam winners. And yet we've gone out today in this game and it was like watching the old Wales. Now, Gatlin has said after, before the game and afterwards, it's about tournament rugby. And he said afterwards, today wasn't about the performance, it was about the results. But it has left you just wondering a little bit exactly where we're going stylistically. And I, I've just come away with more questions and answers from this tournament. Yeah. If, if you know, Gatlin said it, is, it was all about getting the win today, well, it is what he's picked effectively as a team, it was almost like a halfway house, wasn't it? He, he didn't quite go with the team fully braced to take on France in an arm wrestle, but it wasn't the sort of attacking lineup that we've seen. Where, where was the thinking behind the lineup to begin with? I think I, that was more towards the direct. That lineup was a more direct approach. Um, I see a lot of people pointing the finger at Bigger, but I think what we need to realise now is that when Dan Bigger is picked at fly half, he's picked to play a particular way, and it's different to the way that Wales play when Patchell is at fly half or then when Anscombe. They're picked to do different things. Dan Bigger isn't picked to do the things that Patchell does. Otherwise, what's the point? He's a different player. And Bigger was picked today because of his defensive work and because of his pragmatism. Um, and that's how they, they saw um, the game going. And Martin Williams said in the week that whenever Wales played France when he was there, their game plan was based around stopping Bastero. They saw him as a massive threat. Um, and they wanted a tackle in 10. And that's what, Dan, you know, you saw Dan Bigger holding up Bastero in the Wales 22 with Alan Wynne Jones getting stuck in. You know, that's why he was there. They, they do things differently. Um, one thing. I will say on that, and, and our colleague who's not here today, Andy Howell, because he is due to be cycling in Spain this week. Um, Great. <laughs> uh, what he said was, at the start of the tournament, whoever gets the number 10 jersey needs to have a run of games because a revolving door policy helps nobody. They didn't stick with Patchell after England, um, and since then it, it has been that revolving door, uh, which has pretty much helped nobody. Um, I think if they had stuck with Patchell, then... He may have. You don't know what would have happened after that game. I know that, but it, you know it could have clicked and and it could have been a great tournament for Patchell. It wasn't the case. They've gone back to bigger, which is where I think they feel safe with bigger because it's a safe pair of hands. Um, does the basics well? It does exactly what they want. Um, and and let's be fair, they they got the win today. And like like we said, so the the main attacking weapon really was the high ball. You know, that's how they gained yards. There weren't a lot of creativity there. There was, was not really much subtlety to their game. Um, but, it, it, you know, they won. So you can't criticise too much. But in terms of getting the crowd on the edge of their seat, there wasn't a lot of that happening. The question for me is, could we have beaten France today 
with a patchel or an Anscombe ten. And yeah. what concerns me is we've gone away now not knowing. We don't know. We don't know. It didn't even Anscombe didn't even get five minutes. Didn't get any minutes. So we don't know anymore. We haven't learnt anymore. If you look at the two games we've lost this season, they're both basically against teams who went up the guts against us. England did it particularly with the likes of Launchbury, Robshire, carrying hard against us, and we found that hard to contain. Ireland, every yeah. every one of them carries, yeah, and every one of them win. They go through, they go through countless phases, and I haven't seen a team like that in terms of retaining possession for years, and we found it very hard to deal with that. Mm. So against another physical side, a physically committed side against the French, you know, doing big ball carriers, perhaps did Warren Gatland feel he didn't feel he could get that win which he said was the absolute goal mm-hmm. while playing a, a more you know ball in hand style he did say to me I asked him today how do you feel still, you know the way you're playing has developed during the tournament and he said now we, well we feel now we have got the ability to play a certain different ways depending both on the opposition and whom we pick mm-hmm. and that's fair enough there's yeah, always yeah, going to be a horses for courses element but as I say my concern is I don't know now just what this Welsh team can do. And I, I hope that we would learn a bit more about whether the new Welsh way, which we talked endlessly about after the Scotland yeah. game, could actually deliver results against big physical sides. And we and we, we haven't really learned the answer. Yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of people talking about, um, saying, oh, look, you know, it's a good thing. We're, we're developing strength and depth at fly half. Well, what we're developing at fly half is depth. What we're developing in the back row is strength in depth because we've now got flankers and and a back row probably as wide as about eight players now who you know can produce on this stage because they've done it. What you've got to fly half is one fly half who's done it for years and then you've got two who've not really done it on the international stage. So like Simon said, you don't know um, how they're going to go in certain situations and in environments that are uncomfortable. Um, so what we're developing a fly half isn't technically strength in depth and I don't mean that as a massive criticism but it's not because we don't know that there's strength there on the international stage all we know is what they can all do but like I said because Patchell hasn't had a run of games or because Anscombe hasn't had a chance really in big moments then we don't know the thing is the two wins against traditional big physical teams this season South Africa and France have both come with Daniel Bigger at number 10. Now, in a way, Warren Gatlin can perhaps walk away from the tournament. Well, there we are. He's my tournament 10. He's the man who gets things done, you know. So I feel betwixt and between, not really knowing what's going to happen. I mean, I think we'll go into another phase now over the next um, two tournaments. If you, look, if you call the summer one tournament and the autumn another tournament, we'll probably go through another phase. We're back to development. And yep. you'll see the likes of Patchell and and Anscombe and, and throughout the team you'll see people giving an opportunity and you will have more development but it basically means that you're going to be left with just the one tournament ahead of the World Cup i.e. the 2019 Six Nations where effectively your, your, your putative World Cup team is going to be put to the test and that just makes you feel slightly that during this, this campaign there was a missed opportunity to provide some continuity but then again perhaps, perhaps we don't absolutely know in our minds, in the minds of the selectors, what Wales' best team? Do you know what Wales' best team is now? <laughs> I mean, just thinking you know, off the top of my head, right? you mentioned the summer tour there, and we talk about, I mean, this is what international rugby, and particularly development on the international stage, is all about, right? You think about they got South Africa in Washington, right, first up. It'd be great to see a back line off the top of my head of, say, Gareth Davis, Patchell, Owen Williams, Owen Watkins, Steph Evans, Josh Adams, Liam Williams, right? Great. But then there's always a part of your mind thinking, hang on, is that backline going to get bullied? Are they good enough? Are they experienced enough? 
but that's but that's the time to find yeah. out. Not yeah, you know f- what you will say for Gatland is tournament rugby, as you've said, so maybe it's not the best time to be experimenting with these things. And if Wales had finished fifth because they were experimenting, we'd all be up in arms about that as well. Would we? Would we? If well, Wales had gone in with a much more attacking approach today and had lost maybe a base score, but had played it's the kind of rugby we'd like to see them developing, which we've seen signs of in the tournament, would we? we're being quite critical now. Yeah. yeah. Would we, we be critical then? I, it's a, listen, it's a difficult one. He's a coach who's employed to win rugby matches, right? Yeah. And he's won a rugby match today. So he can turn around and he can say job done and find. The only thing is, I just don't exactly know where we're going. Yeah. I think also, also we, we finished fifth last year and we, we left seven uncapped players out on the sidelines. What's, yeah. what's the difference with finishing fifth and at least we're, we're going somewhere and we, we can see where we're moving? Yeah, I mean, we had this discussion in the autumn, didn't we? And we agreed then that there was a, an element of leeway because they were bringing in these youngsters. So it was like, okay, if we don't win these games, it doesn't really amount to much, but at least we're, we're bringing in new players. But I think in, in terms of a tournament, I think it, because it, there are rivals involved and things like that, um, I think there probably would have been a bit more criticism. But you're right, you know, there is always a chance that people will have taken a lighter view on it because they were bringing through youngsters. I mean, the other thing you probably got to say today, we were a little bit fortunate to get the win and we were very, very reliant on Mr. Francois Tranduc because <laughs> without his succession of howlers, we, I mean, he started as he meant to go on, didn't he, where he was grasping thin air in a keystone cops fashion as the Scott Williams' kick went through and able to deal with it. You know, Liam Williams pounced and didn't get much better for him. He kicked the one penalty dead, if you dead, remember. Yeah. There was a wretched forward pass which put his team under more pressure. And then to cap it all, he has a penalty from 35, 40 minutes in front of the post. Pretty regulation to win the game. Yep. Sends it right. So thank you, Mr. Tranduk, yeah. Monsieur Tranduk, for the victory. Um, it was uh, it was a kind of, his display summed up what was a very messy, uh, kind of uh, unsatisfactory game. Really, yeah, I mean, it? like... My, my problems don't lie so much with Wales's um, approach or anything like that, but putting all that to one side, the amount of errors in the game and the penalties, that I, you know, I'm not saying Ben O'Keefe had a bad game, but he certainly didn't do much to help the game. Um, Wales it, didn't learn that, though, did they? Because the number of times we were going anywhere near the French territory, it just constantly seemed to be we were getting isolated. I mean, France were good over the ball, as they were good over the ball against England, in fairness, but... I think we were, we didn't learn on our feet in terms of getting the first clear out there, and it just stemmed the flow really. Yeah, I think I think France were quite clever at times in terms of where the tackler positioned himself. So he put himself on the Welsh side, made an attempt as if he was trying to roll away, but really he's just getting in the way and stopping the, the sort of the first, second, and third Welsh support getting to the ruck in time, making it difficult. And obviously that helps people like Bastler or gives them time to get over the ball and things, but. You are right, they, they should have clocked on to that. Is that a problem with this Wales team? That Basically the two games where they've had Southern Hemisphere refs, they, they've struggled to, to clock on because obviously they struggled with Glenn Jackson in Dublin, didn't they? And mm. if you think the week before, mm. they, were, they were so adept at, at reading what Jerome Garth says was, was telling them and they only conceded two penalties at Twickenham. It, it, it's a complete dis, uh, disparity, isn't it? It's a learning process for them again. I mean, and it's, it's, a, it's a back row... Um, without Warburton, who has been very much you know the kingpin of the breakdown situation, we've tried different people there. If you look, James Davis has had a run out there with a like slightly odd scenario of Tipperick having two games at six. Didn't seem to work quite so well today. It was an odd one because Shingler arguably has been our best player of the tournament. It didn't start today. Um, the breakdown has been an issue at times. 
Um, scrum and line out were generally good over the top course of the tournament, you've got to say that. We did score good tries during the tournament, we scored a few tries during the tournament. Um, if you're looking at it as an overall situation, uh, defensively, it was an odd one today. I think we missed 26 Six tackles, and yet it was a very, very brave, like, yeah. very brave, committed defensive display. Particularly credit for the Wales in which they um, kind of took the Irish tactic of the choke tackle, and that became a very effective one. We talked about the, the holding of a bastro; it was done on a number of occasions. Uh, we come back to the same: you couldn't fault the commitment, you couldn't fault the endeavour. If you're looking at the tournament as a whole, though. There have been pluses in an attacking sense. There have been individuals who have come through. But you just are left with this one question not being exactly clear in your own mind what the coaches see as the way forward. Yeah. I'm not... I'm, whether they actually... actually and they will turn around and they say, well, we've got different options now. Different yeah. options. But it's all a bit muddy, isn't it? <laughs> the trouble is, the, the options that they're developing, the fly-off is like the signal for it. So... Teams will know when Dan Bigger's picked how Wales are going to play and then they'll know if Patchell gets picked they're going to play a different way. Mm. I think what they need to do before the World Cup is get either one of those fly halves able to play every way they want Wales to play. I don't think you can go into a World Cup without knowing you are going to be our number 10 unless you get injured. Do you know what I mean? So you can't go in saying we're going to pick Patchell if we want to play wide, we're going to pick Bigger if we want to play direct or we're going to pick Anscombe if we want to do this. I think you have to get one fly half, get him playing every single way you want to play, um, because otherwise you're going to be a very predictable so side. I've, come, just, a, I've just, come away though thinking that probably Bigger will be the World Cup number 10. So for the sake of art, you think Bigger is the one who could I didn't play say that. Way? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I just come away from today from tournament rugby where you have to win rugby yeah. matches, which yeah. is kind of what the World Cup's about. So then, we we'll probably end up with bigger there. I mean, I, listen, that, he's been a fantastic servant. And again today, he put his body on the line time again. We wanted a defensive 10, a strong midfield to deal with the French. He didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. It's just that, as you say, you know when you go there, you are kind of sending out a little bit of a message to the opposition what they can expect. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, we've got another 18 months to go. But it's an interesting point you make there. Who, who, who do you think can be that fly half then in this Wales squad who can go between different game plans I think Anscombe's the most complete 10 in Wales I've said that a number yeah. of times I do think he's got the ability to play a tactical game and to take it to the line attacking game I like Patchell as well and Patchell is developing with every game he plays it was a learning experience for him in the England match again when he came on against Italy brightened and sparked things up I think we're very fortunate you've got two quality early to mid 20 fly halves there I would just like to see them about more game time in this yeah. tournament more starting game time. I mean, yeah, like you say, with bigger. I mean, you can't, like you say, you can't fault him. He's heroic. He is, and and like you said, winning winning games is what the World Cup's all about. And he was invaluable in 2015. But we were playing a slightly different way in 2015. You still had Jimmy Roberts as your yeah. goal carrying man forward. We don't have that kind of situation anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'd love love for Reese Patchell to show us uh, a bit more on the international stage. I think he's very very close. Um, but I agree with Sai in terms of experience. You know, Anscombe's a super rugby winner. Um, I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, his injuries haven't helped him, uh, but in terms of talent and skill and ability, um, I, I, Sai may correct me, but I'm not. I, I'm yet to see sort of a game management side to him. That's probably because I just haven't seen it enough of him. But um, you know. I, I just think I think Patchell if he can show something over the next 12 months um, 
and I think he the summer is going to be a big chance for him. Uh, and then you know when the autumn comes around, who knows what's going to happen? Because there's a lot, a lot of rugby to be played before then. But I think Patchell could be the fly off if he shows it uh, enough in the next twelve months. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the basic thing with Anscombe is he's hardly in four years strung together six matches more than a couple of times. So, yeah. and you need to see someone playing consistently, see consistent game management. My my general view is that when I've seen all three of them play what I think is their best rugby, I think he's the best fly half. But you know. Not many people agree with me. That's what it's all about. It's all about opinions, about isn't opinions, it? Yeah. yeah, well, for me, it would be pa- my is Patchell. When I've seen him play some of his best rugby, I think he's the best ten we got. But that the the best game I saw him play was probably against Toulon last year at Park Scarlets. Um, really controlled that game and opened up what was obviously a star-studded Toulon lineup. And that was the first time I saw him, and I thought, actually, this guy could be an international player. But you know, he hasn't done it on the international stage yet, so that's what we're waiting for. And England finished fifth. Let's just address because it's so like there's a couple of comments on Twitter saying, "Yeah, but don't worry, boys, England finished fifth. Well, we've we're better. Than Surely that. we're as better a, than as that, a Matthew. nation, as a as a rugby nation. It is not about finishing above England. Leon, who 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 realistically fin- remembers who who finished where from second to fifth? No, it's not. Is it? It's, it's all spoon of course. Yeah, exactly. Winners, isn't it? And then Ireland have been a cut above everybody else oh, in the yeah, championship, yeah, yeah. and there's not been. I mean, Scotland beat England, Wales beat Scotland, England you know, France beat England, England beat Wales. Wales beat France. So you know, it's been a nip and tuck between yeah. two and five, and Italy really should have beaten Scotland today. You know, yeah. so uh, it's been a competitive. I've enjoyed the tournament. Yeah. I've enjoyed the variety of it. I mean, I've I've been annoyed by how damn efficient the Irish are. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're annoying <laughs> I mean it's a crazy tournament I mean their Grand Slam was seconds away from disappearing at the first hurdle but that kind of moment really summed up their whole championship going through like 40 odd phases give it to the man who's the best 10 in Europe knock a drop goal over you know, on the only way to first step to a Grand Slam you know and there's been some great stories. Stockdale, first man ever to score seven tries in the Six Nations, come from you know, pretty much nowhere, really. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. I've watched. I've interesting to see new players come through. I think the Scotland England game that was that was thrilling to watch. That the way yeah. Scotland came back, you know, Hugh Jones. And I love the fact in which this tournament can sort of bring you up and bring you down. Hugh Jones, magnificent in the game against England. Two weeks later, he's having Gary Ringrose and his nightmares. And and you know, it's like after the Lord Mayor's show. It's it's all about learning. And a lot of young new players have come through. And new players have come through for Wales. And are Wales the second best team in Europe? Mm. <laughs> what does that noise mean? No, I think England's demise is greatly exaggerated. Um, I do. Uh, obviously, they've been pretty poor in the last few weeks, but and I suppose the numbers again. the numbers speak for themselves, <laughs> don't they? You know, Wales have finished second, so yeah, they are the second best team in Europe. But as we've said, you know. Wales have lost two games in the Six Nations and finished second, which probably tells you everything you need to know about this year's championship. And as you said, everyone's pretty much beaten everyone, yeah. and apart from nobody's beaten Ireland. So they are a cut above, and there's not much between the it, rest. It comes down to the draw as much as anything, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's about uh, winning yeah. away, and Ireland are the only team that really done that against the big boys. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that came out as a point of interest today with the post-match press conference is that we started immediately, as always happens with these things, once to- one tournament's over, you start to think about the next, the thing. next thing. And Warren Gatlin was asked what his plan and policy is going to be for the summer when Wales go to America to play South Africa and then to Argentina to play the Pumas twice. 
and uh, made it pretty clear that quite a number of uh, senior players are going to miss out on that tough. So we were just speculating out loud now before mm. we came in, weren't we? I and mean, he, he's made it pretty clear already that Alan Wynne Jones is a great warrior and he deserves a rest. He'll, he'll, yeah. he'll have a break. And the kind of message seemed to be that the players who went on the Lions tour and have had heavy look, workloads this season. Um, we'll, we'll sit out. So you could see the likes of Ken Owens taking a break. Obviously, Jonathan Davis is injured, so he'd have a break as well. Maybe Falato. But it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you've got certain players who went to the Lions too, like George North, Falato, Liam Williams, who haven't had much rugby since the Lions. Yeah. So what do they do with them? And you've always got the other option, the other concern. You know, if you leave too many of them at home, that's not it's an easy trip, by the way. Look. It's a real balancing act, this one. You've got to be careful. Um, also, on Alwyn Jones, interesting to say that they've, they've got an agreement. I don't know if he's referring to the NDC or if there's something different going on, but they've, they've got an agreement in place for the number of games he's going to play for the Ospreys and for Wales next season. So that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But I think the, the key point that you've said there is you can't just leave everyone at home and send the, send the so, youngsters across. Well, Gareth Davis, as oh, an example, went on the Lions tour, played a lot of rugby, but we've got no Reese Webb. So did you take Gareth Davis on tour? Probably would. Um, Tricky, isn't it? I mean, the only you'd probably take Gareth Davis, Alec Davis, and Thomas Williams, wouldn't you? As your nines, just off the top of my head. He probably would, yeah. Um, he did say as well it's going to be a slightly smaller squad, low 30s compared to the Six Nations. Yeah. It's going to be more of a sort of, you know, measure tour group. On, I mean, if you look at someone like um, Ross Moriarty now, he yeah. went on the Lions tour, but he's hardly played this. I mean, another one, what you do with him? Are there certain players, and this is an interesting one for me, with certain players you'll look at them and say, yeah, he's not a lot of rugby. But what he really needs is a proper pre-season. Look at Liam Williams. Liam's obviously been struggling. He was looked again off the pace today. He's had this abductive muscle problem. There was talk before the Six Nations he might need an operation. So might he, for example, be best suited I an mean, operation at the end of the season, complete break, coming back fresh next season. Yeah. So I think medical advice will play a big part yeah. in it. But you are going to see a very different looking Wills. So it'll probably be more akin to the squad that went to the South Seas last summer yeah. than the Six Nations squad. I think what you'll need though, like you, you speak about people like Falatau, I think he'd be a great player to take. Captain maybe? Captain, because yeah. you need those players there as like a glue to hold these youngsters. Otherwise you're looking at a situation like when Wales played against the Chiefs a few years ago yeah. and got battered by their third team. That doesn't help anybody. I think it's a great, great tour for Wales because you've got South Africa, two games against the Pumas, you're out in, you're away from home. You're out there together. Um, great, great countries to go to as well. Um, big physical, nasty challenges. Remember, we we spoke to Lee Byrne on the podcast a few months ago after he wrote his book, and I, I think he referred to Argentina as one of the most intimidating places he ever played rugby. So it's going to be a big learning curve, and they'll gain a lot from it. Um, but it is. The success of the tournament before we go, what we perceive as success will be determined by the kind of squad he picks. So it's going to be interesting um, to see what he does. But you can't just send a bunch of kids out there because it's not going to end well. You're right about an intimidate. And I remember being behind the barbed wire in Tucuman and uh, watching Wales training <laughs> the day before the match and then to scoop dead dogs off the pitch. And I'm not oh, lying. Yeah. It's an inc- it, it's a, it, Argentina is a fascinating place to go and play rugby, yeah. watch rugby. I think they're playing in Santa Fe and San Juan, San Juan. Two, two new little destinations, you know, and uh, that's going to be tough. Lord knows what the Springbok shape will be in. I mean, I guess for them, though, it's, it's a, it's a warm-up for their um, rugby championship, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, they... I think they'll have new coaches. They've got a new coaching set up, you know, haven't they? So, um, them, yeah. 
It's going to be a tough old tour for Wales. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do in terms of the captaincy. Mm. Will we'll follow it. So, I mean, it's different being captain for one week to being a captain yeah. on three weeks on tour. Because if things are going wrong, <laughs> you know, you, but then you start to look away. If there's no Ken Owens, no Alan Jones, no Warburton who's going to be still injured, it's a tricky one, isn't he it? He said, uh, he's reading quotes from him in the match programme today. And he talked about the captaincy last week and said he's learned a lot from it. Obviously, had to deal with two yellow cards. He admitted they could have dealt with that better. Um, says he, he wished he'd spoke to Alan Wynne-Jones a bit a bit more about the pressures of, of being a captain. He said he was um, he, had to, he had to really think about when to speak, when not to speak. He said he had to be more vocal than he normally is, which is probably something that takes a bit of getting used to in that environment if you're not particularly comfortable with it. So I think he's learned a lot from his last week. And, and I think it would probably, the more we talk about it, the more it makes sense to me, but we'll wait and see. And it, it's probably a little bit early to sort of say at this point, but what, what are the areas that you'd like to see sort of maybe strengthened in Argentina? Obviously, Six Nations, which mean the back row. Tactically or personnel-wise? Uh, a bit of both, I guess. I th- I, for me, the one that jumps out is maybe we need... Well, centre depth. I mean, I'd like to see, I would like to see up. Owen Watkin given a, a good bit of rugby yeah. on that tour. I think yeah. he's been a plus of this season. It's great yeah. to see him back. He was good against Italy. I'd like to see him there. I think he, you know, he, he makes with him and Parks there. You've got two guys who make pretty good, simple choices. You know, um, I'd like to see that work looked upon. Number eight is another one. If Falato, we don't know whether he'll go. Um, obviously, Moriarty is another option. Um, what they're going to look at there. Second row, Seb Davis and Adam Beard. You know, those are the kind of youngsters. I mean, will, will Bradley Davis go, for example? Maybe if Alan Wynn stays at home, they'll want to take Bradley. Yeah. Uh, so, one, I, I mean, Seb Davis is someone I think we need, need to get more game time out of him. Yeah. Elliot D. If, if if Ken Owens might, he's very likely to be pretty arrested. Go, yeah. So Elliot D. is a perfect one to really come on on this tour. So you can look at people like that. I'd love to see Thomas Williams get some international rugby time. I think yeah, there's some, he, he needs to he needs to be shown whether he, he, he can. Bring game management at nine because that's the one thing he has to work on you know there's players like that though, and so it's individuals and areas then, yes, isn't I it? think that's the one that jumps out to me is, is nine because this is the first post-web post-web campaign really and yeah. it isn't fully competitive and it won't be Gareth Davis starting every minute and it, yeah. it, we, I, I feel like we do need a backup nine now yeah. what we've got we've got an absolute you know luxury of riches of 18, 19, 20 year old scrumards and then we've got Gareth Davis, mid to late twenties. What we kind of need is someone in the 22, 23 who can really can step up. Now you've got Alan Davis, who's had a few chances. And then Thomas Williams, maybe a year younger. And you'd love to see one of those really coming through on this tour. And of course, the other one is ten. Mm. If bigger's not going, then we, we need to see in proper test matches which of those two boys is the best option. Yeah. You- you only take two tens, don't you? Really? Well, you take Owen Williams as well, see? Yeah, yeah. So you take two Remember tens. Him? Take two tens. Oh, yeah. You take two tens <laughs> and Owen Williams. Um, but I, th- I think Lou said as well. We're heavily relying on Rob Evans. I know Win Jones filled in really well before he got injured. Um, but I'm not. I can't remember what the severity of his injury is. But hopefully, Win Jones' hamstring is probably going to be out until. Will he make the tour? Oh, he'll make the tour. I think he's going to be out until the end of April. So, because I think our front row, we're heavily reliant on Rob Evans um, and Ty Dead as well. You know, Tom Francis does jobs for us. Um, it'd be great to see one of the Cardiff Blues. Leon Brown is unavailable for the trip. So it'd be great to see one of the Cardiff Blues youngsters get a chance. I think, I think Dylan chance. Lewis, if he can, if he can get over these bad luck with injuries, he'll go. I tell you the other position I should have mentioned as well, going through it, 
is the back three. The guy, <laughs> so we're covering, we're covering all bases. <laughs> but no, I tell you the guy who I would love to see have a really prominent role on tour is Halamemos. Yes. And, oh, and a decision about where yes. his future lies. See, Halfpenny, Halfpenny went to the Lions tour, quite a big workload. He might be well with one of those you'd expect maybe to sit out the trip. Yeah. Liam might need, might need work. So, you know, what I'm saying is that Halem, you know, we talked before. I, I think he's potentially, you know, really top class fullback. I'd love to see him have a good run in there because he's been unfortunate. He had yeah. such a good autumn. Injury came at just the wrong time, unable to get back in the frame. So he's one I'd love to see coming through. And I'd like to see Steph Evans get more game time because Steph did a lot, does a lot of good things. He's an up and down player, and he's made a few errors, done some good things. I'd like him to get more opportunities as well. And, and learning experiences for Steph Evans as well. He's. A, He's um he's showcasing he, he he's a poacher he finishes off really really well but he's also prone to really silly errors so you know the more the more he plays in games where the where the score isn't as important in terms of outside tournament rugby uh, the more experience he gets the, obviously the more beneficial it'll be and you can see someone like Owen Lane coming very much into the frame for this summer that would be good well, yeah because I think he gives you the opportunity to play 14 13 11 strong man with pace right up Gatland Street. He's the kind of guy you can see getting an opportunity out there. Someone like Owen Lane, right? Is is oh, is he a? Could he? Play, can you see a scenario where he plays in the World Cup in yeah, 2019? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not too late for a player like that to make a make a. You only have to think back to the 2011 World yeah, Cup, where Warburton, Priestland, Falato all came through in that year, in that year effectively 2011. Mm. You know, it, it can happen. Legit the same. Yeah, that boy's got, you know, I said if he said he's just 12 years old, he's got the lot physically and pace-wise and attitude and, you know, he's come on really well. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of trip it's going to be. The right balance, though. Okay, experienced players to see you through a tricky test, a tricky tour, but giving youngsters a good and getting some clarity, please, on what we're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's Argentina. And we finished with England. Right. I was I was going to ask you boys to give the Six Nations as a campaign uh, a rating out of 10 and maybe sum up in a few words but I've got a feeling you uh, finished above England I, I, I'd give it a 7 out of 10 and I'd say Ireland show that they can win the World Cup um, I would probably give it a 6 it's not quite a 5 um, just purely because there are there are many positives in terms of development of players, but uh, performances have regressed throughout. I mean, our best performance was Scotland, wasn't it? And it got worse. Yeah. So we, was that a mark for the tournament or a mark for Wales in the tournament? Oh, sorry, yeah. What? Uh, Wales in the tournament. Wales, oh, yeah. Wales in the tournament, I gave him a six. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not... <laughs> I uh, meant the championship as a whole. Yeah, it's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? Because... Like before the tournament, Gatlin was like, "We're going to win the tournament." We, you know, I really fancy our chances. This and that. We beat Scotland, get a bonus point. Yeah, I expected that. I told the boy, I told Martin Phillips, the chief exec, yeah, we were going to smash him. And then suddenly, his tone changes after we lose to England, and it's like, oh yeah, but we're developing players, exposed. So, you know, there were mixed messages from the camp about what they were trying to get out of this. Um, so it's a difficult one for us to to sort of put a score to, but. I think six is fair enough. We've, we've, you know, Shingler has come on massively. Navidi has, has shown that he can still do it after the autumn. Um, people like Josh Adams have had a chance. So you know, there there are a few positives in. in Hadley Parks has been a good. Blue, Hadley Parks yeah. has been a good. You know, he's been a bit of a find. Um, 
I think what it, what it's shown is that we do miss Jonathan Davis. I don't think yeah, there's somebody to fill that 13 jersey. A big, big um, person, you know, Scott Williams, for all his positives, hasn't quite done it. Um, I'd say the return of North has been a positive. North, yeah, yeah. that's another one. Um, I think he's shown he had shown flashes of his return to his former form. Um, didn't get enough touches today uh, for me. I thought, you know, I think I tweeted midway through the second half that he was the, the last hope for this game. Just put the ball <laughs> in his hands and please do something. Uh, but he just didn't see enough ball. But he's definitely showing signs of the George North that went on the 2013 Lions tour. So. And probably above all for me, Aaron Shingler. Shingler I think yeah. he had a great, great tournament. He had a great season. And it's really good to see someone three years in the international wilderness deliver his form for the region get his call up on the back of that and then transfer that form and he's been great and a good bloke as well had a difficult time serious concussion issue fought his way back and he's been Wales's player of the tournament for me mm-hmm. yeah I wouldn't argue with that good <laughs> there we go then uh, that was a bit it's aggressive <laughs> <laughs> it's late I'm sure you don't want to disagree with him ever again though. no I wouldn't <laughs> so there we go that's uh, all for the podcast it's nice to end on a positive note after quite a dull day uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast you can subscribe to it on iTunes give us a like uh, and a review there and for all the latest reaction to the Six Nations and beyond catch it all on Wales Online